Lord, we come before you and we decree you are the King of Kings. And Lord, we lift up, Father, right now, this little two-year-old baby in the ventilator needs a miracle, friend of Brother Daryl's. Lord, we just ask you for a turnaround in this baby's organs and its lungs and its heart and in its body. Father, we just decree life. We believe the report of the Lord that you've come to give life. And we just speak over this precious baby. And we decree, Lord, and we pray. It has, it's not here for just one or two days. But, Lord, we pray that it will live out its lifetime. And it will be a testimony of how great and how awesome and how big our God is. We speak peace to the mom and the dad and the family, the relatives and friends. We speak to their peace and we come against all fear. All fear. In Jesus' name. And Father, as we did in intercession last night, we come against the spirit of fear about the swine flu. As we have prayed for the, prayed for the immune system from the baby to our children at school and college and on to the adults. We come against the spirit of fear and all the words that are going around the schools. which The students who are panicking of the flu and the swine flu and the epidemics. But we decree that even as Goshen, your children were divided from the world and what happened in the world did not happen to them. We thank you for it. We believe in the covenant of divine health and healing through the blood and the stripes of Jesus Christ. We thank you that we were immune from hell and we are immune from the curse. We just praise you for divine health and healing in our bodies. We praise you that every good cell is quickened and made alive and every bad cell is gone. We just praise you, Father, for just touching each and every one in Jesus' name. Thank you there's not one sick or feeble among us. In our minds, our bodies, our emotions, our hearts, marriages, income, our families. We praise you for perfect shalom, shalom. Your peace ruling and reigning our hearts and minds as we give you the glory. King of kings, and we give you the praise. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Turn to somebody. Tell them you love them. Tell them you're glad they're here. If you haven't seen them before, tell them your name. Tell them who you are. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. We're glad you're here tonight. We bless you in the name of Jesus. Uh, just want to make a few quick announcements. Glad you're here on this night. Tomorrow night at 6.30 is the ladies' mentoring group. So if you've never been to any of the ladies' meetings, boy, you're in for a treat. So we encourage you to come. Uh, I've heard part of the message today from one of them, and it's going to be awesome. And then uh, Bound for Life, the Silent Siege, which is August 29th, a meeting here at 8.30, driving to Shreveport to stand in front of the abortion clinic and intercede for the life, intercede for mothers from other states in our state who are contemplating abortion. And then uh, uh, we're going to have a men's meeting September 11th at 6.30, and the reason we're announcing it now is uh, what we'd like to encourage you to do, men, is uh, any type of, uh, you'd like to have some information on any type of subject, you can email us. Or if you want to remain anonymous, you don't want your name to be known, write it down and stick it in one of those boxes in the back. And we won't know who you are, but we'll talk about what you want to talk about. And I got some, we got some different ones who are going to take up subjects. And we're going to be talking about those things. So I just wanted to tell you ahead of time, you got any, any subject you'd like to talk about, and um, we are able to talk about it. Uh, go ahead and put it in those boxes, and we'll be glad to, uh, to uh, share. And we're going to have a good time that night. And I believe it's going to be called uh, Wild Game Night. I think we're going to have to go hunting before we eat. 
But anyway, uh, I don't know if we talked any more about that. But uh, anyway, we're talking about maybe bringing anybody wants to bring some wild game. And that includes cats. And uh, we'll have a good time. If you have your Bibles, uh, <laughs> if you have your Bibles, go with me to the book of Philippians. I want to share a scripture here with you. Are you blessed? Amen. Hallelujah. I didn't write it down, and there's something I wanted to share with you. I better learn to start writing things down. Maybe y'all know it. Y'all are better scholars than me. Where's that scripture about don't complain? Y'all don't know it either, do you? What is it? Huh? Yeah, I'm in chapter 2, but what verse is it? Oh, I'm on the wrong page. Okay. Hey, here we go. Now I know what I want to do. I want to start in verse 12. This is the Living Bible. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now I am away. It is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Whoa. You mean there's supposed to be results? I need to show results that I'm a born-again believer? I just thought I needed my roll, my name on the roll. It says, no, work hard to show results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you. Hallelujah. Look, you ever say, God is working in you and God is working in me. Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Verse 14. Do everything without complaining. Whoa, it is written. It is written, do everything without complaining and arguing. Boy, we could preach on marriage right there, couldn't we? Golly. Do everything. Somebody shout out everything. Without complaining. I mean, are we a complaining group sometimes? Not just a group, but a people. A nation. I mean, we're just a people and, and, and just complain. Man, they're, they're doing work over there. Everybody complaining about the road work. But you know how nice that's going to be when it's over? I mean, you've got to give them time to get it done. And then we complain about one another. But hey, just like the road, you've got to give you time to get it done. Amen. And it says do everything without complaining so that no one can criticize you. You know what? I don't want anybody criticizing me more than they do. Then I've got to learn, don't complain. If I live a life without complaining, oh, man, i got to go cook. Oh, i got to go clean. Oh, i got to go to work. Oh, tomorrow i got to go to work. We complain about all that stuff. And listen, if I've learned something in, in the years of ministry since 81, I've learned something, and I've learned a lot of them the hard way. Whatever test I do not pass, I have to retake. There's a school. In school, my kids, even though they may not pass all the tests, they keep being passed to the next grade, whether they pass the test or not. That's just how it operates sometimes, I guess. But they do pretty good. Anyway, but there have been some tests in the area of submission, in the area of humility, in the area of love. There has been tests I have not passed, and I've had to retake. And sometimes we wonder, what is happening with my life? Why am I going through these things? Why am I not seeing more results in my life? 
take a check on the test of complaint. If I'm not seeing more results in my life, in my marriage, in the fruit of my life, am I complaining too much? You know, it's so easy to get in a habit of complaining that we don't even notice that we're complaining. Amen. Boy, it's quiet in here. Maybe next Wednesday I ought to preach on complaining. But anyway, this scripture spoke to me that we have to be careful. You know, how's it going? Oh, you just don't know the day I went through. Well, bless God. You passed, you passed that test, didn't you? But listen, it's, it, listen, just want to give you this. Pass the test. Remain silent. Instead of, listen, the worst thing, and my mama used to teach me this. Can I teach you what my mama used to teach me? Don't even say you're tired. Don't even say, I'm tired. I'm tired, yeah. Don't even say you're tired. Don't even say you're tired. That's complaining. I'm, I'm hungry. I'm hurting. I'm, I'm tired. That's complaining. It says here in the Word, do everything without complaining. And so I want to encourage you about that. That that is a spiritual truth. That we just don't, we overlook sometimes because we think, you know, I can just do what I want to. The Bible says, no, show the results of a maturity and a character in your life. Do everything without complaining. And that, that, that will bless your life and bless your home and bless those around you. That they don't say, oh, my Lord, we're going to their house. Oh, what are they going to complain about today? No, that's changing. Now we're going to say, what are they going to be praising the Lord about today? Amen. So I just thought that scripture would make you want to give tonight. So with us, just come forward as we get ready to receive the offering and tithe. And I know you're just going to go, oh, that. they're always picking up on offering. No, don't complain. Just put in it. Hallelujah. Father, we bless you tonight. And we thank you for your blessings. Praise you for these precious people. Thank you, Father. Even as our sister said in Hebrew last night, thank you for our family. Thank you for our blessed family. Thank you for those who are here and the enrichment you're bringing in their lives. And, Lord, even as Brother Bob showed me before service, we bless the people who are listening from Kansas, the different places in Kansas and, and uh, Georgia and Texas and different other places all over Louisiana. Lord, we just bless them, and we thank you for watching the listeners, and Lord, who are listening tonight and in the future. And we bless your word, and, Father, bless your people. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. <laughs> Didn't have no keyboard, sorry. No, I'm sorry. I don't understand your ways, but I will give you. My song, I will give you all my praise. You hold on to all my pain, and with it, you are pulling me closer.
Jesus. Hallelujah. I am on, huh, bro? Yeah, I'm on. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Glory to God. Well, if you have your Bibles, would you please turn with me to Matthew chapter 18? Matthew chapter 18. I know the Holy Spirit is leading us in some areas of discipleship, but there's some things that He just brought me to today that I feel I need to share with you. Something I believe he's been wanting to get deeper and deeper, deeper into our hearts. I believe it's going to be a blessing to you. Matthew chapter 18, verse 1. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and just read this to you in the message translation. Of course, Jesus was teaching his disciples. And it's just awesome to walk with Jesus and learn from him. And Matthew chapter 18, verse 1, this is the message. About that time, the disciples came to Jesus asking, Who gets the highest rank? In God's kingdom. 
For an answer, Jesus called over a child. Everybody say a child. It says, whom he stood in the middle of the room and said, I'm telling you once and for all, that unless you return to square one and start over like children, you're not even going to get a look at the kingdom. You know, I've been sharing about childlikeness. It's been coming up for months now. I even had Sister Christy and uh, Sister Peggy, who are teachers, share some things that happened to them as teachers. And that's been two, three months. And it just keeps coming back. And I read this in the message translation. That I'm telling you once for all, Jesus said, that unless you return to square one and start over like children, you're not even going to get a look at the kingdom, let alone get in. Whoever becomes simple... An elemental, again, like this child, will rank high in God's kingdom. What's more, when you receive the childlike on my account, it's the same as receiving me. But if you give them a hard time bullying or taking advantage, now write this down, of their simple trust. That's one of the keys that we've got to learn. How do I become childlike? Simple trust. Just write that down. Simple trust. And then I'll continue. You'll soon wish you hadn't. You'd be better off dropped in the middle of the lake with a millstone around your neck, doomed to the world for giving these God-believing children a hard time. Hard times are going to come. But don't sh- you don't have to make it worse. And it's doomsday to you if you do. So verse 10 says, Watch that you... Don't treat a single one of these childlike believers arrogantly. You realize, don't you, that their personal angels are constantly in touch with my Father in heaven. Amen. Now, there's something I want to share with you tonight that God put on my heart. There's something that we, have, we as the body, and I believe in this last day's move, and I believe what's going to be the greatest revival. And there's so many books on revival, and I have a bunch of them. And, and there's so many keys, and there's so many... So much emphasis in the area of the power and the anointing. And thank God for those things. But so many people are so much looking for the power and the glory to fall that we do not pay attention and we lose sight of the elemental things of being childlike. And I was meditating because my wife and I were part of the Argentine revival. And a lot of people say, what do you think was the secret of the Argentine revival? And the Argentine revival, they were into warfare and they, uh, hours before God and fasting and evangelism. And, and there's so many things that you could say was part of the Argentine revival. But then I started thinking, you know, I believe one of the great keys of the Argentine revival was them, they were so childlike and yet also so humble. And like Carlos Anaconda, who started the revival in 1981, we've had him here before. One, he has won over a million people to the Lord. Sometimes 300 people would manifest devils at the same time. I worked in the deliverance tent, and he lived in our home for a month. And then Miguel Secas, which was one of his worship leaders. And then y'all have met Claudio Freysen and a great move of God. And you know, you, you could talk about so many different things, but one of the things I started thinking about that was so impacting about them was that you could get up early in the morning and they would be washing, mopping the floor or washing the windowsills because they wanted to serve. Or they would be, Brother Anaconda, you'd be outside doing a barbecue. 
Or uh, one of them would be Miguel Secas, the worship leader, was cutting my grass when I got back one day. And here's these guys who have written books and won millions to the Lord and done so many awesome, wonderful things. Demons holler and tremble at just their presence. I've seen people in churches fall down and manifest devils at their presence. And someone would say, what would be the secret of their anointing? And I went back to this scripture and I started thinking, it had to be their childlikeness, their humility. That we're going to see in the scripture tonight, we want to make superheroes out of people. And God wants to make us as children before him. And I think that one of the things we lose when we get, when we get matured in the Lord and we want deeper things and some people go, I just want to get deeper, I just want to get deeper. And Jesus keeps pointing back, hey, if you want to be the deepest and the highest you want to go, is getting more childlike every day. It's becoming more trusting. And I want to go over some areas about children that I started thinking about because I read in this thing and it says, many times God will offend our minds to reveal our hearts. Many times God will offend our minds or our natural way of thinking, the way we say things, to reveal our hearts to ourselves. And that happens so many times with children when you're trying to train up a child in the way you should go and you're trying to teach them things. So many times a child, you'll tell them something and instead of getting offended, they'll take the correction. But we as adults, instead of taking a correction, we want to get back. And the Holy Spirit's going, oh, don't grieve me. Don't quench me. I want to do a work in your heart. I want to do something there. And he's talking about, about staying humbled and people will get healed. And it says here, people will get healed and people will get hurt as God gives opportunity to be humble. And I love what somebody says, the same lamp that causes the light to come on in the house is the same lamp that causes the bugs to come. And what you're going to find many times is that in revival, and I've already seen it here, when, when the power and people are falling out and there's so many awesome, wonderful things happening, it's like glory to God, the anointing is so strong. But then the simple things start getting people upset. And the same people who were following the power are now upset and wanting to even quit the church. And God has wanted to do something in our lives to where we remain childlike and not be looking for superstardom, but just following the Lord. We must receive Jesus as the God of power, but also the God of wisdom and humility. Lord, we have to be constantly asking the Lord, Lord, what are you doing in our midst as well as, Lord, what are you saying? It's not what just God is doing. But what is God saying? People are unnecessarily pained and disillusioned with the bigness of revival, mostly about enjoying God's power instead of understanding it's learning how to humble ourselves before the awesomeness of God. The reverence and the respect of God. And that's something that we've got to keep alive in our hearts. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4.12, God has chosen the weak things, the weak things to confound the wise. Amen. Now look with me in Luke chapter 10, verse 21. Luke chapter 10, verse 21. Jesus taught his disciples this, and I just feel like it's something that I feel the Holy Spirit's telling us to go over. Luke chapter 10, verse 21. 
At that same time, this is the living Bible, at that same time Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit and He said, Oh Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things for those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. This way. This way. This is the living Bible. I know so many times, this is the Living Bible, that was verse 21. It says, Oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and revealing them to the childlike. And I just want you to write that down, and as I give you some things tonight, I'm reminding myself, and I want to remind you, and I want those to listen who are listening by tape, listen, we can never get beyond being childlike before the presence and with the Word of God. Being simple. Not getting so deep. You know, a lot of the people I meet who are deep either end up in jail or on the street. Out there somewhere. When you're always searching for that which is deep, you're trying to make yourself feel good instead of pleasing the Father so that He can reveal things to someone who's just humble and quiet and still before him like a little child. Because a child will listen. But a prideful, arrogant child will not. And he's saying, don't forget to be childlike. He said it in Matthew 18, we read a while ago. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like a child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Humbles himself as a child. And so I put a few things here. Uh, a child is not foolish and arrogant. The childlikeness, the quality Jesus asked for, affirms our humility. And one of the things I want you to write down is a child believes in the sufficiency or that... How many of you know a child believes that a parent will take care of him? There's trust there. A child will never wake up two, three years old. This little sweetheart right here will never ask her daddy, Daddy, what are we going to eat tomorrow? Has she ever asked you how y'all going to pay the electricity bill? Has she ever asked how you're going to pay the mortgage? Daddy, you hurt your hand. Are we going to end up on the street and we're going to, you, you haven't gone to work for a few days? Daddy, are we going to starve to death? Daddy, how are we going to pay the bills? As she's, what, two years old? Has she ever asked y'all how y'all going to survive? She just wakes up and she knows mom and dad's going to have it all together, huh? She never hollers during the night and says, oh my God, we're going to lose everything. Has she ever done that? No. You know what she does? She smiles. And she's content between daddy and mama. I'm going to show you in the word of God according to Psalms. David says, stop fretting. Stop acting like an adult that has to control things and be like a child and let me be in control. Trust me as God and father. Be childlike. I'm not asking you to go around saying, I've got the faith to move the mountains. I'm asking you to be a child to say, my daddy can move the mountains. I'm not looking for those to boast in their records and their uh, how much knowledge and how much this and that. I'm looking for those who are saying, Lord, it's not me, but it's your power that's causing this to work. Being childlike that, God, you are going to supply my needs. And, and Lord, I'm just... I'm just stupid and ignorant enough just to say I don't have the answers how we're going to do it or how you are going to do it. But I do know that you are God. You are El Shaddai. And all I know is that you said to do it and you're going to do it. When my wife and I, 17, 18 years old, we went to the mission field, 
churches didn't want to support us because they said, we'll help pay your way back to the States, but we're not going to support you because you're not going to make it. People told me I was making a mistake marrying my wife because she was a city slicker. They said, you're never going to make it. But now tell me that, 27, almost 28 years later, tell me I made a mistake. We didn't have nothing. We had a 64 Ford van and we had a few boxes of groceries and we went to the jungles and we had $25 a month support and the rent of our little hut with no running water, bath or nothing was $25 a month. But we were childlike enough to go and say, Lord, you told us to go, now you got to keep us alive. Adults complicate things. Children allow God the Father to operate smoothly. And he's saying, I'll show you the kingdom of God. Don't bring Peter or John. No, no, no. Bring me a two-year-old. Don't bring me Paul. No, no, don't bring me the, the, the best singer of the group. Don't bring me the disciples. Bring me a little child and I'll show you what the kingdom of God is like. And I'll show you how I can move. Because you see, the big dogs, they're arguing who's going to be the greatest. I'm going to show you, if you're not humble, I'll humiliate you. But I'll humiliate you because I love you. And I want you to learn what I'm about. And there is something that we're losing out many times on in trying to make things so deep and, and so big and so huge when it just needs to be like I am daddy's little boy. That my father is speaking to me and he loves me. And he's going he's to make it work. And he's going to fix it. And he's going to fix me. And it's all going to turn out okay. And I don't have to worry. My daddy's got it all in control. I don't have to be, I don't have to manipulate. I don't have to pitch a fit. All I've got to say is, what's going to happen? God, my father's in control and father's going to do it. Something about that childlikeness. A child is utterly dependent and void of self-sufficiency. They are confident that the things they're hoping for and the things that they can't see will come to pass. Because how many of you know, mom and dad cannot lie. Daddy, I want a bicycle for my birthday. Okay, mom, we're going to get him a bicycle for his birthday. What color do you want? And they, they know as sure as sure can be that they're getting a bicycle for birthday. But how about we as the children of God sometimes? God says, I'm the Lord thy healer. Oh, Lord, I hope you heal me. Hope I don't catch the flu. I hope I don't die. I hope they don't leave me. That childlikeness. God's got it all in control. There's no pressure on me to perform. The pressure on me is to believe my daddy and to know that God is in control. Amen? Unless you are converted, Matthew 18, 3, unless you are converted and become as a little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4 says, Whoever humbles himself as a little child is the greatest in the kingdom of God. It says that a child is trustworthy. You know what else a child is? Children, write this down, children take risk. Children take risk. They'll try something once at least. They'll take risk. They'll take risk in relationships. They'll take risk in friendships. They'll take risk by uh, petting a dog that's growling. They'll take risk at things that we have to make sure that, you know, Peter was childlike when he said, Hey, you're walking on the water, Jesus. Let me come to you. That's childlike. Yeah, and he sunk. Yeah, but he walked back. 
Peter was childlike when he says, I want to do that. I want to walk on water. I want to do that. I want to do this. Childlikeness. Be imitators of God as dear children. But there's something about maintaining a child's heart. And part of that is being a risk taker. Not letting fear hold you back. Another thing of childlikeness is a teachable spirit. I believe that's what God loves so much is a teachable spirit. A little child will not answer you back. You're not going to tell me what to do. You're not going to hinder me from that. No, the Bible says, let's look at 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. First Corinthians 3. Verse 18. Teachable spirit. Say that with me. Teachable spirit. It says in verse 18, this is 1 Corinthians 3, 18, Living Bible. Stop deceiving yourselves. If you think you are wise by this world's standards, you need to become a fool to be truly wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God, as the scripture says. He traps the wise in the snare of their own cleverness. I love the message translation. I love this. Listen to this. Don't fool yourself. Don't think that you can be wise merely by being up to date with the times. Be God's fool. That's the path to true wisdom. What the world calls smart, God calls stupid. And you know, we feel like we have to have all the answers and sound so like we got it together and so intelligent and be able to explain everything. And you know what? Sometimes you just got to say, listen, all I know, somebody says, what, what's working in your life? All I know is that my father loves me and I'm forgiven and my name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. Yeah, but you got to explain more than... T- I'll tell you what my story is. I was lost and going to hell and I accepted Jesus in my heart. He became my Savior. And now all I can say is I'm a born-again believer by the grace and the mercy and the blood of Jesus Christ. You mean it's not pro- more profound than that? No, but let me tell you what I found when I found Jesus satisfied me more than anything else could ever satisfy me. You see, that childlikeness keeps that f- new, fresh love alive. You see... I don't have to go around trying to find new things to excite my intellect. I've got something inside of me that satisfies every moment of every day. And I get to have that fellowship with the Father, and I know He loves me and accepts me, and that just causes me to understand I don't have to impress Him, or I don't have to impress people. He has impressed me, and therefore He has changed my life. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We're almost there. Let me share this with you. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 20. He says something very interesting here. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your understanding of these things. Then listen to what he says. Be innocent as babies when it comes to evil. Be innocent as babies when it comes to evil. But be mature in understanding matters of this kind. You can be, you know, you don't have to be childlike in your understanding. God wants you to grow in your understanding, but he wants you to be innocent as babies to where... No, I don't, I don't think I ought to do that. No, I don't think that's right. There's something wrong with that. Uh, that scares me. 
that, that makes me feel uncomfortable. That inner maturity, that, that being able to conduct ourselves with restraints of love, but also being able to sense what's wrong and what's not. First Thessalonians 5, 19 through 22 says, Do not quench the spirit and do not despise prophesies. Test all things, hold things, hold to fast to that which is good and abstain from every form of evil. Amen. Let me give you this right quick. Colossians 3.12 Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion. Say that with me. Compassion, Compassion. kindness, Kindness. humility, Humility. gentleness, and patience. You know, those those are fruit of the Spirit. Those are things a lot of times we don't want to spend a lot of time studying on, but that's what the Holy Spirit says is important to Him. Once again, compassion kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Matthew 5, 5 says, Blessed are the meek, for they will what? Inherit the earth. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 in the Living Bible says, Let love, say with me, love. Let love be your greatest aim. Write that down. That's the Living Bible. Let love be your greatest aim. What are you aiming at in life? I want to love, I want to be compassionate, I want to be kind, and I want to be gentle as Jesus was. I want him to put that within my heart, and I want him to put that within my spirit. Now, look with me in uh, Matthew 10, Matthew 10, 23. Once again, the message translation. And this is what I believe this end time revival is going to be a revival of love and kindness and gentleness. And this says it right here in Matthew 10, 23 in the message translation. I'll read it to you. When people realize it is the living God you're presenting, that's what's happening in Word of Grace. They're not coming to hear some eloquent speaker. They're not coming to hear maybe the greatest worship team, even though we do have a great worship team. They're not coming to hear the most profound truths. What I believe God is doing in Word of Grace is that we are getting to the point where our lives and our love present God. It says, when people realize that is the living God you're presenting and not some idol that makes them feel good, they are going to turn on you, even people in your own family. There is a great irony here. Proclaiming so much love, yet experiencing so much hate. But don't quit. That's where we've, this, this is the message translation. This is uh, verse 23 and 24. It says, listen, they're going to despise you. They're going to speak about you. They're going to criticize you. But just like a child, just let it go on and you just keep on pretending uh, like a child. You're not pretending, but you just keep on living like you didn't hear nothing they said. When the Holy Spirit starts speaking to you about loving and forgiving and being kind and being gentle, and someone says, you know, I don't think we ought to be going to that extreme or we ought to be that type of way. He's saying, look, just be like a child. Don't quit. Say, don't quit. Don't quit making love your aim even though you've been hurt. Don't quit making love and kindness and gentleness your aim and your desire, even though people abuse and even though people say, you know, I don't think that's what revival is all about. I think that if we see the gold falling or if we see this and we do that, look, there has been seasons of revival, but I believe we're coming to a revival of love that is going to be so thick that people are going to be drawn to the love of God and convert of their sins. They're going to be able to say, you know what, I finally, I know, I know this love, I know love is the real thing. 
And they'll go, no, 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 I believe revival ought to be out of this and revival ought to happen to this. And the Holy Spirit is saying, listen, stop trying to put me in past revivals. This greatest revival is going to be a revival of love because just like it says in John 3, 16, God so loved the world, He gave His only Son. God so loved the world, He's going to give a church that is willing to walk in kindness and gentleness and love and be able to help them. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says, all spiritual gifts and good works, they're great, but they're worthless if they're not exercised in love. And I believe God has done a turn in this ministry and He's done a turn in His church to where it's not going to be the, uh, a lot of the speaking of my great faith and my great this, my great that. I believe God is saying, I want to build such a love in the body that I can trust them with the gifts of raising the dead. I believe that it's going to be such childlike humility that they're going to be like children who are just going to believe me and they won't take the... They won't touch the glory. They won't want any of the credit. I'm going to get all the credit because it's going to be a revival of love. It says in verse 4 in 1 Corinthians 13, I'm just giving you these points. Love is always considerate of others. Now, this is our aim. Love is always considerate of others, displaying patience and kindness while shunning jealousy, boasting, arrogance, and rudeness. That's what love is. Always considerate of others, displaying patience and kindness while shunning jealousy, Boasting, arrogance, and rudeness. Verse 5 says, Love does not always want its own way. It is never bad-tempered or hard to get along with, and it does not hold grudges. Verse 6, Love is saddened by sin and happy when right and truth prevails. Verse 7, Love puts up with anything and never ceases to trust in God or to believe in a bright future. Love never gives up. Verse 8 through 12, love will never pass away. Our limited and perfected gifts of knowledge will not endure. One day, the will will be set aside as we enter into new fullness of understanding of God and His love. Love will always be the center of our lives. And I believe that that's what God is wanting to get our attention to, is that love is going to be the center of our lives. Look with me in Luke chapter 6 right quick. I want to read this in the message translation. Luke chapter 6 verse 32. A lot of the things we focus on, love has to be the center core of it. And in Luke chapter 6, verse 32, I want to read this to you. And I love the way how it's said here, a simple rule of thumb. In Luke chapter 6, verse 32, this is the message translation. Here's a simple rule of thumb for behavior. Ask yourself, what you want people to do for you? Then grab the, the initiative and do it for them. If you only love the lovable, do you expect a pat on the back? Run-of-the-mill sinners do that. If you only help those who help you, you do not expect a medal? Garden-variety sinners do that. If you only give for what you hope to get out of it, do you think that's love? The stingiest pawnbrokers do that. I tell you, love your enemies. Help and give without expecting a return. You'll never, I promise, regret it. Now, this is what Jesus is teaching. Just give and never expect in return. And you'll never, I promise, regret it. Live out this God-created identity the way our Father lives towards us, generously and graciously, even when we're at our worst. Our Father is kind, so you be kind. Don't pick on people. Don't jump on their failures. Don't criticize their faults. 
Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. Don't condemn those who are down. That hardness can boomerang. Be easy on people. You'll find life a lot easier. Give away your life and you'll find life given back. But not merely given back. Given back with a bonus and a blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets, begets generosity. He quoted a proverb. Can a blind man guide a blind man? Wouldn't they both end up in the ditch? An apprentice does not lecture the master. The point is to be careful who you follow as your teacher. Hallelujah. And we've always heard, Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed and shaken together. We've heard that how many times for offering scriptures? Where when you bring it in the context, it's not only about money. It's about how do we treat others? How do we want others to treat us? You know what? The church is going through a lot of persecution. Well, how long have we persecuted the world? How long have we persecuted other denominations? How long have we persecuted brothers and sisters among ourselves? And we wonder, why is there persecution mounting up among us? I want to show you uh, right quick, and, and I'll end with this. Psalms 37. Psalms 37. Because this is about the meek inheriting the earth. Psalms 37. Psalms 37, verse 1. Look what it says. Don't fret because of evil doers. That word fret means do not fume up, do not get mad, and do not get angry. As I, and, and as I was doing a study on this, and I don't know how far I'm going to get tonight, I want to share something with you. The Bible says to pray for those in authority. Amen. Now, I haven't watched the news in over two weeks because my flesh many times could not handle what I hear. And so I quit watching the news because I read there it says, do not fret, fume, or get angry about anything. And many people are saying, what is happening in our government? I believe that God wants to bring us to such a point in our government that we learn to love beyond what is seen. To believe beyond what is heard. And that through this scripture here, through evildoers, I'm going to bring my body to where I need them to be in their hearts so they can be humble and loving towards all men, regardless of their stand. Do not fret because of evildoers. Don't get angry. Don't get anxious and say, oh, you know, boy, I just wish fire or thunder would come down or one of this. The other, John and them said that and Jesus says, you don't know what you're saying. Don't fret because of evildoers. Don't get angry at the way things may seem to be going. This is all going to boomerang and this is going to end up making the body of Christ humble ourselves and pray and seek God and to be more Christ-like than we've ever done before. It's when we sometimes lose our voice is when God gains his voice. It's when we learn to where, you know what? This is happening because God wants to teach us how to love beyond boundaries and limits.
He wants to perfect the love in the body of Christ that even in the hardest rulership, even in the harshest of times, even when things don't seem fair, I don't want you complaining and I don't want you fretting and I don't want you fuming and I don't want you mad. I want you loving that man and I want you loving that woman. I don't want you making the house speaker the target of your words. I want you praying for her and blessing her. Even though you don't agree with everything that is done and being said, I said that, first of all, prayers be made for all those in authority. And you pray for their salvation, you pray for their families, and you humble your attitude in the atmosphere of Christ that you can say in the midst of persecution, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Is that type of prayer that's going to get the church back to be Christ-like that will win the world back to the church? An attacking angry attitude is not going to win the world to Christ. It's the love that calls men to repent and come to Christ. So when we go back to being that childlike attitude to where, you know, like when my kids would get in a fight with other kids in the church when they were small, Cindy and I learned not to get involved. Because if we get involved... With their parents? Oh, Lord, they'll probably leave the church or it'd be a big commotion. But if we just let the kids settle among themselves, they're going to play together in an hour. They'll be playing together in an hour, but if we get involved, it's going to be months or maybe forever, not ever making up again. It's that childlike love that I believe that what we're seeing in America right now and the things that are going on, what we can't lose sight of is that our aim is to love no matter what. To forgive no matter what. Because remember, we read, whatever we sow, we're going to reap. We sow criticism, we're going to reap criticism. And none of us are beyond criticism. If we sow angry, if we sow words, we're going to reap that back towards on us. So we've got to understand that he says, fret not because of evil men, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass they will soon wither, and like plants, they will soon die away. But remember, they are compared to that which dies. You are incorruptible seed. Amen. Verse 3 says, trust in the Lord. There's that childlikeness. Trust in the Lord and do good. This is Psalm 37 verse 4. Trust in the Lord and do good. That word good there, write this down. That Hebrew, it's a Hebrew word. You know what that word good means? Medicine. Trust in the Lord and heal. Trust in the Lord and heal. Trust in the Lord and heal. Do you know what those people believe down the street? They believe in Jesus. They're our brothers and sisters and they love us. Yeah, but they don't believe. And you know, they were, I heard about a church that was talking about what we believe in and that we are wrong. Hey, trust in the Lord. Don't fret and heal. I love you. I bless you. And it says, trust the Lord and do good and dwell in the land. The word land there, listen to this. It's the covenant promise and not the wilderness. Man, why am I living in a wilderness? 
Well, I've got to examine my life. Am I fretting over? Am I getting upset about other people's attitudes? Am I doing good? Am I trying to heal? Or am I getting other people upset? What is it about my life? It says, trust in the Lord and do good and dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. You know what that word there means? That Jesus will come and be your personal shepherd. He will feed you, He will guide you, and He will lead you. Now look at verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord. He's king, amen? And He will give you the desires of your heart. This is what that means in the Hebrew. You work hard at pleasing God, and God will make sure that your desires are also pleased. Please God, and He will please you. Or that word there means rewarded. Verse 5. Commit your way to the Lord. The burdens of what you're occupied about. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him. There's that childlike word again. Trust in Him. And He will do this. He will make your righteousness shine as the dawn. And just as your cause like the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways. Listen, I want to tell you something. Whatever is being passed... Whatever has been passed is going to wake up the church. It's going to wake up a true praying spirit. It's going to humble the church. It's going to bring in revival. And whatever is passed that is against God can be redone in the future God's way. It says, submit your ways to God. Don't fret when men succeed in their ways and when they carry out their wicked schemes. What does it say not to do? Don't fret. What are we doing? Ah! They better not take my guns away. I'm going to shoot them. We're going to die without health care. Oh, it's all going there. I was a part of it too. And the Lord says, wait a minute. You don't sound like a kid. You sound like an adult when you talk that way. It's that childlikeness that's going to bring in the kingdom of God. It's that trust in me that's going to change things around. It's not you getting upset and in all in a fight about it. Don't fret about them that carry their wicked schemes. Verse 8, look, here he talks about it. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. And he says it a third time. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. For evil men will be cut off. But those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked shall be no more. In other words, what they're doing is going to be short-lived. Though you look for them, they will not be found. Here's verse 11. Jesus spoke this. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy what type of peace? Great or abundant peace. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Don't worry like the heathen because your trust is in God. The meek trust God. And Christ's character is built within us. We do good, which is medicine. We go around loving, forgiving. We delight ourselves in the Lord. We submit entirely to His will and His word. The Father sows and bestows upon His children not only what they need, but what they desire. The world sees the work in the Lord. And Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of the heart. You please others, and God will please you. So what I was getting at tonight, trying to get at, and don't have time to get into more of it, I thought this was going to be a short message, and it's one of the longest ones. But I feel that God is trying to say, listen, in this time and age we live in, we've got to become childlike again. 
not be moved, not be upset, not get in an uproar, not complain, not criticize, not judge, not get worried about everything that's going on. But God, (laughs) you're the God of heaven and of earth. You're the God of the United States of America. And whatever the wicked's plans on the Constitution or whatever things that seems to be trying to go on, you are in control. And I'm not going to fret. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to be doing things to, 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 to uh, put down anybody. I'm going to pray for them. And I'm going to love them. And I'm going to bless them. And when, listen, and when what we have right now, church, in America, is we have an opportunity to make sure our attitude is right. And if our attitude is right, God is going to be glorified and revival is going to hit this nation. No matter what the wicked schemer do, revival is going to hit this nation. But we as the body of Christ, we just have to watch our attitude. Amen. Let's stand up. Hallelujah. I'm sorry you had to sit through a message preaching to myself, but I had to preach to myself and I thought, well, you can listen to it too. Because I know I'm not the only one who needed this. We have, we, have to, uh, we have to guard our hearts. Amen? We have to guard our hearts and guard our mouths. Father, we come before you. And Lord, our aim, as it says in 1 Corinthians 13, is to love be our aim. Lord, you said love our enemies. And Lord, we're so worried about who we consider to be your enemy and the church's enemy that we don't realize that, Lord, we're called to love those that we're calling enemies and even those who despitefully use us and come against your word. We're to pray for their salvation and pray that you will reveal yourself to them and cause them to come to know you as Lord and Savior. Father, you said time and time again in the word that we're to pray for those in authority, that we're to examine our hearts and watch our lifestyles and our attitudes and our words. So, Lord, tonight we come before you, and, Lord, I repent for all the, the careless words and careless attitudes and careless actions that I've allowed to come out of this temple, which is yours, Holy Spirit. Forgive me for not being like Christ. Therefore, Christ could not be known. Help us to be more Christ-like and be like little children, to trust you and know that, Lord, you've got it all in control and you know everything that's going on even more than we do. So, Father, I pray for the peace in your people's lives and hearts tonight. That we will dwell in the land and we will inherit, Lord, even the souls of of those on this earth. We will see, Lord, souls as we're seeing now. I I just know we're about to see even more souls come to you, even this Sunday. I just know more and more coming to you because we are hooking up with the move of the Holy Spirit, which is a movement of love. And it's by this will all men know that you are truly my disciples. Lord, you're perfecting our love walk. And you're perfecting our compassion, our gentleness, our kindness, our temperance and patience. So that we can walk in love with one another and even with those who are not part of the body. We pray and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 How many of you, you know, a childlike message ended up being a pretty deep message, didn't it? Hallelujah. Listen, we love you. We bless you. If you need prayer, we'll be up here to pray with you. Hug a neck. Tell somebody you love them. Come Sunday morning. We're going to have a good time. God bless you. Amen.